This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Welcome back to the program. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, host of the show. Wherever you're listening in, thank you for being with us. As we settle in for our Monday edition of the program, we're here weekdays from 4 to 2, uh, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. I'm doing backwards time. First repeat of the show, 10 p.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. in the morning. And, of course, as we mentioned earlier in the program, we are available uh, via podcast. So simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. Well, Ramya, it's time uh, we we had Danielle on on Friday to kind of catch up because we we didn't get to some stuff on Thursday when right. Brock and her were hosting on the show. But there is so much as we keep going back and forth in emails. Quite frankly, folks, that's going on. So we've really needed to uh, step up here and get into some of these conversations. So let's bring her on and start it off today. This is Danielle McLaughlin with Know Your Rights. Let's examine questions that can't be answered by a simple yes or no. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, when we talk about how freedoms collide on Know Your Rights. Danielle, there's been a lot of conversation out there on what's going on, as, as, as I just mentioned, and how governments in Canada operate in these days. However, there is also concerns when it comes to the disability community, which is quite concerned with uh, Bill C-22, the proposed Canada Disability uh, Bill that's out there that has passed a second reading. So can we go back and kind of cover off a little bit about what does this piece of legislation propose to do? Hi, Kelly. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. And you're sounding great. Good. I was not quite sure about the connection, so I'm very happy to hear that you can hear me. <laughs> you <laughs> sound you. great. I knew you were testing. You're saying, my gosh, am I even here? Yes, that's, <laughs> I are. was just, just checking. Yes, I'm, I'm looking out the window. I can see daylight. Maybe I'm here. <laughs> um, you know, there has just been so much going on with regard to um, our rights in Canada recently and in, in this province on, of Ontario particularly. Um, Bill C-22 may be one of the more promising looking pieces of legislation that we've seen in a while. Um, this piece of legislation is, well, it proposes to take people out of poverty, people living with disabilities who are living in poverty. And let we know that that is quite a number of people because, uh, you know, if you look at the employment level of uh, people in Canada and then you compare it to the employment level of people uh, with disabilities, you can see that people with disabilities are far more likely not to be employed. So the idea is that this uh, legislation will create a benefit for people with disabilities um, in order to, you know, uh, people to help people live above the poverty line, the subsistence line, actually. So that's that's the proposal. The question is, who would benefit from such well, legislation? Yeah. And I yeah. think that is where we all stop and we all ask the question. And Danielle, it's so difficult regardless when we look at a disability community out there um, because of the different concerns, needs, and priorities. Well, that's so true. Well, 
There are two issues here that I find rather concerning. It looks like uh, while this uh, piece of legislation has gone through second reading and is in committee now, that it proposes to only address people between the ages of 15 and 65. So we know that people, once they turn 65, people with disabilities do not suddenly leap out of poverty. Mm. No, they, they, don't. they may be covered by other forms of benefits like the old age um, uh, pension or CPP if they've worked and, and, and things like that. But those things are not, let, let, to put it mildly, high paying uh, amounts. And under the age of 15, there are plenty of people with disabilities who live in very difficult circumstances. The main question that, that I am hoping will be resolved in a way that the disability community has an enormous amount of input into is what's a disability? Um, and so this legislation has yet to define uh, people living with a disability. What does that mean? Who will be included? Who will not be included? And one of the, the things that it looks like may um, attach to this legislation that is quite troubling is if somebody is decided not to have a, a bona fide disability according to the definition that they come up with, um, and they claim a disability benefit, what will happen to them? Will that be a criminal offense? Uh, will they have the right to appeal the, uh, you know, being turned down for, for this benefit? These things have not yet been uh, written in. So we don't know the answers to that. And we do know that, um, you know, criminalizing what could actually be a mistake or could in fact be uh, a fault in the legislation could have a terrible effect on members of the the community. You can you can well imagine somebody who believes um, that they that they would qualify applies is turned down um, and says, "But you know, I I thought I could apply." You certainly don't want to see a a criminal offense applied to that kind of thing. Um, you know, I don't know if this is something that that concerns you. It, it certainly has me for quite some time. People who live with disabilities are often, and I'm going to put this in quote, suspected of faking it. Um, I'm sure that that you have had that experience where people don't really, you know, you, you're not really blind, are you? Or, you know, you you really are putting it on. It's not as bad as you say it is or what it, whatever that your disability might be. This is something that... Uh, I mean, this is this is deep ableism, isn't it? Yeah, well, this, and this if is... we consider that notion to begin with, Danielle, then are invisible disabilities even going to be represented? That's right. Well, absolutely. So, mm -hmm. so we know that they do want to include um, mental disabilities as well as physical disabilities, that they've, they've spoken to that. But... Um, you know, again, how do, how do you prove this? You know, what kind of certification do you need? What kind of medical certification? And, you know, I'll never forget many years ago when I was uh, working with the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, there, I, I read a study in which 100 um, patients um, were, uh, their, their cases were presented to three psychiatrists. And the, the three psychiatrists looked at these 100 uh, cases, and they determined that a certain number, and in fact, they came up with the same number. It was four people of this hundred were definitely people who were living with serious mental illnesses. The problem was that 
they came up with each of them came up with a different four. Mm -hmm. So we know that, you know, even the most qualified people, the most, uh, you know, the, the people who seem to best know their field may have a difference of opinion. Um, will, you know, which is fine, except when you think that this will have a profound effect on somebody's life. Well, it if will. So, you know, are especially, you eligible or are you not? Yeah, and especially yeah. when you talk about money, because people are, are in North America, we're always worried about who's cheating the system, who's trying to right. get away with something, which hamper us from making sure that proper funding is in the, the hands of people who need it because of the, look, having a disability is costly. Yeah, it, it, it is very costly. And to the extent that um, if you provide a standard of living to someone who does not have a disability, that same amount of money may not suffice to, for someone who does have a disability. You know, just as an example, mobility aids um, are extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, will they be covered under something like this? Or is this just a cash amount of money? Another question. Yeah, um, yeah. So this this piece of legislation, which has a lot of vagueness to it, as I've as I've just described, um, much of the suggestion is that well, you know, the specifics are going to come in in the regulations, not in the legislation. So, what's the difference between uh, legislation and regulation? Well, in you know, when you pass a law or when a law is passed, it's extremely difficult to uh, make changes to it. It takes, right. you know, an act of parliament to, to do that. In with regulation, it can be handled in other ways. It can be handled by cabinet or it can be handled uh, by other bodies that are, are defined by the legislation itself. So, you know, it might, it makes it a bit more flexible. I'm, I'm just going to give you an example of a piece of legislation. There, There is a, a piece of legislation that requires um, certain indigenous communities to receive a benefit from government. That benefit was written in when the legislation was passed well over 100 years ago, such that people in that community receive $5 a year. Now, $5 a year might have been meaningful when the legislation was passed, Mm -hmm. but now it, it doesn't even buy a cup of coffee in some communities. So, you know, this is the reason that some people have said, and many, many legislators have said, let's get the specifics into the regulation so that we can adjust it according to need. Um, you know, if you say today that everybody gets, you know, I'm just throwing out a number, $500, that might help some people a whole lot more than it will help other people. And, you know, with inflation as it as it is now, that may not buy you a stick of celery in, um, you know, in, in five years. So we, we don't know that. So this is one of the reasons this will go to regulation. But other people have said, well, wait a minute. Regulation is done out of the sight of the public. So if we're going to add regulations, you know, if a bill is, is you know, being read by uh, parliament and if it goes to second reading, if it goes to committee, those are all public Regulation can be done behind closed doors. Mm-hmm, so makes me skeptical. Well, it does, you know, and, and I mean, there's plenty of examples of regulation that work great and others mm-hmm. not so much. So, you know, what do we want to see written in to Bill C-22 and what do we want to see managed via regulation? That That's a question. Um, one of the other questions is, you know, people have been asking, well, 
many of the provinces already have a disability benefit. Ontario, for example, has the ODSP. BC has a has a um, a benefit. Most most of the provinces have. So people are saying, well, if the federal government um, also has a disability benefit, does this mean it's going to be clawed back in taxes or right. from other uh, programs? Right. Um, the federal government has said this will not be clawed back, that that this is going to be a benefit that will be um, on top of any of the other benefits that people might already receive uh, for their disabilities. But this we'll is a concern probably like. on the provincial level as well, Danielle, because, totally. what, because federal may have uh, promised not to claw back, but doesn't mean that provincial will stay the same. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Especially if it's seen as a, a reason to help the provinces. So, oh, well, then we don't need to issue out mm. as much, but they're still getting more money if we take away 150 yeah. here. And it also <laughs> makes me wonder, too, like the concept, if people will start seeing this as one or the other, as a bonus, if you yes. will, you know, not necessarily yes. uh, a necessity. Cost of living. But exactly. Yeah. And, and, and these are real worries that you, you're expressing. I mean, we, we don't really know what it will look like right. because it hasn't moved far enough ahead. And the specifics, you know, as many people like to say, the devil is in the details. Yeah. So, you know, who's going to, who are we worried might claw it back? Is there actually a benefit in keeping the disability community at the poverty line? I mean, who who could possibly benefit from that? Certainly not people with disabilities. And I don't actually see that it's a benefit to the society as a whole no. to keep people in, in but poverty. our society worries about the look. So if we yeah. are wanting to reach out and help around the world and make this a place for so many people to land here as immigrants, one of the things that we, of course, hear about is, well, you can't be bringing people here and, and putting them on the system. Okay, let's get jobs. Let's make job of, jobs available. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the most frustrating things for the disability community is uh, if, if, if you've been here all, my, all your life trying to get a job, going to college here, university, or whatever, how come it's, 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 it's easier to come from somewhere else and get a job than the person with the disability? So we make it possible for them to be able to stay at home. Not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody's comfortable with it. But you do need the mechanism in case someone just can't find a job, in case someone prefers to be at home, in case their disability doesn't allow them to be able to hold 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 a job, you need options for people. But I think as a society that's always listening and looking for that person to say, well, how come Kelly gets to stay home? Well, yeah. you know, yeah. how come I have to stay home when, you know, so-and-so landed here six months ago and not that I don't want to help, but I- I've been looking for a job for a while. Yeah, and and it really depends on you know what kind of job are you looking for. What you know, what are your skills? What are your your abilities? Um, and many you know, people the, coming here have great questions. credentials. Yeah, exactly. In fact, yeah. the majority of people who come here, yeah. uh, and have, many have great disabled people have great credentials. Exactly, exactly. So you know, most people who can want to work, um, and that you know, so you know, most people who have the ability to, to, you know, find work would like to do that again, as we said, not everybody can, not everybody, uh, you know, has the capacity to work and not everybody is able to find employment. These are big concerns, but one of the questions that people have asked, and I'm asking it is, should we, instead of worrying about who gets this uh, benefit and who gets that benefit, should we have a minimum guaranteed income 
for everybody in this country so that whatever the reason is that that you are living below the poverty line the government should be responsible to keeping you for you know making sure that you can live at, at the basic quality of life no matter who you are how do you feel about that the thing is with that comment too it's it, i'll pull straight from this conversation today is but what about people who need the extra accommodations that mm-hmm. cost something, right? What about yeah. the mobility devices? What about the adaptive technology? What about whatever all of this stuff is? Does that come down to the equal amount question? Because I don't think it does. And it's the the equity side of it. Some people need more of that financial support in order to have that same quality of life. Now, if we're only talking about poverty line, then sure, there's the, the minimum uh, universal income or whatever, however it's being referred to as right but all these other things that are necessities for people to live well um and to work and to do all these other things uh, may require more money and i don't think that it cuts it to say okay well everybody has that same amount so if you want to go work do it you know that's a perfect example of the difference between equity and equality. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely yep. right. Well, so, and, you know, and at least it puts it in the view. If with it was for everyone, there's a little less of that. Well, nobody really notices if we didn't give those on ODSP a raise, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right now, yeah, oh, the, the government sneak around and don't yeah. notice. And when we're screaming, people on dis- you know, who are on disability are saying, "Hey, listen, this is what's going on." They have to be heard by the right ear, the right party who doesn't just use it as a, oh, well, here, here's a, pol- a, a political football to play with. Yeah, you're, you're very right. So, you know, is it just an equal number that we're talking about or is it a way of life, a quality yeah. of life yeah. that we need to talk about? That and we have to. So, you know, people need people have different needs and that's very important to keep in mind. Know Your Rights contributor Danielle McLaughlin joining us on the program, of course, to talk about the federal bill C-22, the Canada Disability Benefit. We'll be back to wrap up our program when we return after this break and check out what's coming up on Now at Dave Brown. Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.